This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and I am answering readers' questions today. And the question I have is, how will I be creative without alcohol? And I get this question a lot. I get it from writers. I get it from artists. I get it from people who just, you know, look back over our long history of, you know, different authors and writers and novelists who alcohol has been such a huge part of kind of where they are and you know, how successful they are. And they actually give alcohol a lot of credit for for their creativity. And it's an interesting question because I certainly always wanted to be a writer. It was a nonfiction, like I didn't imagine writing nonfiction books. I thought I would be writing novels and I thought I would be, you know, typing somewhere uh, very exotic with my glass of wine in my hand. And that was kind of the vision that I had for myself. And so when I, I actually am a writer, but I actually write about alcohol, which is the irony of life, right? It's completely crazy and insane. And so it's not novels and it's certainly not with a glass of wine in my hand. But I think that one of the things that I had to navigate myself was this question of, well, how am I going to be creative? I remember at one of my my very first job out of college, I worked in an advertising agency in Northern Colorado. And I remember our uh, the head of the agency, the founder, he would get on the intercom at the time. There were intercoms and he would be like, okay, everybody, this is a brainstorming emergency. I want to see everybody in the conference room on the double. We have this client and we need a pitch or we need a logo or we need a slogan or we need, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, idea, some sort of gem that we need to come through together. And so we'd have all of us rush into the conference room. And sure enough, there would be lots of drinks for everybody. It was very Mad Men style. And everybody would be having drinks and pouring drinks and brainstorming. And, you know, looking back on it, I formed this very specific belief that, okay, marketing, advertising, creativity go hand in hand with alcohol. And I know lots of different marketing agencies that are trying to be new and hip and will have beer in the fridge for any time of day. We certainly did at our agency or wine for any time of day. And it was just like, oh, this is just part of it. And the boozy lunches and the whole thing, it was just part of it. And so I remember in my marketing career thinking, well, how how am I going to be creative without alcohol? And I remember the first few times sitting down and being like, okay, where's the ideas? Where's the juice? What's happening? Where's the conversation? And feeling stuck and feeling like, huh, this is weird. And then I got really curious about like, okay, what's what's happening here? Because I then knew, I knew some stuff that I didn't know before about how alcohol works in the brain. And I knew one thing is that alcohol actually slows down your neural synapses. So how fast your neurons transmit one you know, electrical signal to another, that, that gets slowed. And so I was like, okay, so you're thinking slower, yet... I'm supposed to be more creative. Like that doesn't really sync. If alcohol makes me think slower, wouldn't it be kind of the antithesis to creativity? Wouldn't that not make sense? And so I started to get curious, okay, what are the other elements, right? The other elements of these brainstorming emergencies or these boozy lunches were people coming and not feeling like their ideas were stupid. Because if it was stupid, they could blame it on the alcohol, (laughs) they could blame it on the booze, so they felt empowered to say what was on their mind. And I think even if you're sitting by yourself in front of your computer and you have that glass of wine, even if you haven't drank it yet, or even if you've only had a few sips, that something about that, because we've formed this mental connection, okay, I can take 
off the judgment that's on my shoulder. I can take off the little person in, in the back of my mind saying, is this going to be good? Is this not going to be good? Rewriting it, etc. What's this going to say? How's it going to be? And I can just put that aside and I can just go for it because guess what? If it sucks, I can blame it on the alcohol or guess what? If it sucks, you know, I can come back to it later and and we just kind of take down that inhibition, whether it's a bit of a placebo effect or because alcohol does inhibit the you know, prefrontal cortex, which is the judgmental part of our brain that's saying no, no, no. And um, it does take that away. And so I also noticed that there was just a lot of conversation at these things. People were really, here we are, we're here to solve this problem. And people were throwing out ideas and not having that inhibition. I was like, huh, that's really interesting. And so what I decided to do with myself is I would sit down and I remember the first few like big campaigns that I had to do after I stopped drinking or big ideas we had to come up with. And I would create that same sort of environment, but I would just do it with a pre-frame before the meeting started. And it would be like, okay, here's what we want to do. I want all the ideas. No ideas are bad ideas. Actually, you get points for bad ideas. The worst I, the idea is you're going to win a prize or whatever the case is. And just really use other tools to help people get over themselves, help people put away the judgmental part of their brain and just come with all of their selves and all of their um, creativity. And it was amazing. It worked so well. And what I would do also was if I was just there by myself at the computer, one of the worst things you can do when you're trying to write is write for other people. And I would say, okay, no matter what, I'm going to just set a timer. And even if I start writing blah, 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 or ABCDFG, I'm just going to write and I'm going to write for 10 minutes. And there's no filters and no rereading and no editing. And sure enough, just that trick would do the exact same thing of lowering that inhibition and get those creative juices flowing. But because we've we've conditioned ourselves to really use alcohol as the thing to do that, we need those other tools to get past that. But here's the truth. And I really love if you're struggling with creativity and you're thinking that alcohol is the missing link, or I would highly recommend the book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And some of the ideas might be, you know, sound a little far-fetched to you, but one of the points that she makes so beautifully in that book is this idea that like, creativity does not have to be a suffering endeavor. And in fact, if it's only when you're, you know, <laughs> destroying your life with drinking that you feel creative, like at what cost, like at what cost and how much is it really worth it? And actually some of the most creative things can come from um, other places. And so, you know, scientifically, it, there's no connection between drinking and creativity. And in my own experience, as soon as I was able to do that little flip of lowering my own inhibitions, there was absolutely no connection with drinking and creativity. And then when you really look at it from this, like, why, who said creativity and writing and living a creative life has to come with suffering? Who said it has to be this thing that we are torturing ourselves for or, you know, poisoning ourselves for or killing ourselves for? Like, that's just actually kind of ludicrous and why it came that way. But some of the most beautiful things do come from a really happy, peaceful place. And it doesn't mean that they're not deep and they don't have to, you know, they don't bring incredible content, but they actually can come from a really healthy place. And when you are healthier and taking care of yourself and not relying on it, oh man, the rewards are incredible because guess what happens when you awaken your creativity without alcohol, even if it takes a little work up front where you have to do certain tricks like setting the timer or talking yourself into it or making sure that you're setting up aside time. I will go on a little tangent here and say one of the things 
if you're a writer and you're sitting down and you have a blank screen, it is uncomfortable. It is an uncomfortable thing to say, okay, what's going to happen? And we don't like discomfort. So sitting with that discomfort and just allowing it to be and saying, okay, then I'm going to write A, B, C, D, F, G until it gets comfortable or until something happens, or, you know, I'm going to stop judging myself internally, allowing for that discomfort. One of the reasons that we turn to that glass of wine is because we don't want to sit with that discomfort. And that really is a mistake because I think that sitting with it and allowing it can really bring you into a place where you are actually so much more expressive because of the benefits of finding your kind of muse, finding your creativity, finding your voice without alcohol. Oh my gosh, it's incredible. Guess what happens? You feel so much confidence in yourself. You don't feel like you have to hurt yourself or poison yourself or torture yourself or be in this place of just, you know, um, being dependent on anything. And you really step into, I'd say, a different and higher level of creativity, which is really, really beautiful. So I get this question all the time. I'm going to take a moment actually to read a very specific email I got recently that is about this question, just to give you somebody's very specific question on this. And I'm going to answer it specifically to him because, well, I wanted to say all that in general. And again, I highly recommend Big Magic in terms of looking at creativity in a different non-suffering, holding it lightly, bringing you know a sense of wonder and awe to the ability that human beings have to create is amazing. I also wanted to just you know read this to you because it gives someone's really real perspective that I think can help someone else. So um, he says, hi Annie, I'm reading your book, This Naked Mind, and I've enrolled in the 30-day alcohol experiment but haven't started yet. I feel like I need to learn as much as possible Everything you write makes sense and helps me understand myself and my relationship with alcohol. It's like you've been reading my mind and wrote it down in your book. And every time I'm thinking about quitting, there are two major questions that come into my mind. How am I going to finish my studies if I quit drinking? And two, how am I going to find creative ideas if I quit drinking? Here's the situation. I'm 50 years old and I'm doing graduate studies for a master's degree in a program that allows me to choose two courses per year. There's an intensive class on campus, but most of the work is at home, reading a lot of books, writing reviews, and a research paper of 20 to 25 pages. When I read and collect information for research, I can't do anything but be sober. However, when I sit down to write, my mind goes blank. I don't know how to start. I'm not able to find the words to express my thoughts in writing. It's like my mind is bombarded with too many ideas at the same time, and when it comes to organizing and expressing them in writing, everything just vanishes. So I sit down in front of my computer, I drink only beer, and I just start drinking. And as, as soon as I finish my first beer and a half, my mind is changing its pace. The entire subject becomes clear in my mind. And instead of struggling with 100 ideas at one time, my mind is able to process one idea at a time. Words come easily, and I write fast and fluently. During the past few years, all of my papers were graded 100%, and I've been a straight A student but it's been while drinking. The second problem is about creativity. I have a leadership position and oftentimes have to provide solutions to complex situations. Other times I have to come up with creative ideas for future product, projects. When I'm sober, my mind overreacts and I don't have any clarity in finding solutions to complex problems. But when I drink, when I drink another part of my brain opens up. I find the best solutions. I find the best creative ideas. Those ideas have been there, but they were hidden by the cloud of chatter in my mind. Drinking seems to remove the chatter and allows me to reach those ideas. How am I gonna manage this without drinking? Strangely enough, nobody at work knows about my drinking. I'm not socially conditioned to drink, even 
not even my kids know that I drink at all. Most of the time, not even my wife knows when I drink. I just tell my wife that I have to work late in my home office. Then I close the door. I drink and sleep in my office until the next day. I drink only beer, but way too many and way too often. And I've reached a point where I really have to find a way out. Thank you so much for your dedication and help. So I wanted to read that to you because it's a different spin on the same fundamental question. How do I, how do I, you know, create <laughs> without alcohol? And the interesting thing is the very specific thing that um, he has identified in this is the fact that alcohol does slow down your thinking and remove the chatter a little bit at first. And I'm sure that you know, that can feel very much like focusing because if you are thinking of a million things at once, if you are going crazy in your brain and then all of a sudden your brain has to process things slower because it's been intoxicated to some degree, then it can feel very much like focus. Now, I think there's a lot of things going on here. One thing is what scientists call temptation bundling. And it's simply the idea, since alcohol gives us this artificially high sense of dopamine and it gives us what can feel initially, especially when we first drinking like euphoria and pleasure, it overstimulates our pleasure signal, our pleasure, you know, areas of our brain. Drinking is something we end up craving and end up wanting. And so what I believe this man has done is he has sit down in his office and he can be ready to go. But unless he has a drink, because that temptation bubble delay, okay, there's something that's an obligation to do that I feel like is on my, you know, it's a deadline, it's on my plate, I'm not really excited about it. But if I add alcohol into the mix, which totally messes with the brain in a different way, all of a sudden this thing that I wasn't wanting to do becomes really, really attractive because the brain is attracted to that surge in dopamine. And I'm actually providing what's called temptation bundling, taking something that I don't necessarily, I'm not really looking forward to, I don't know how to get started with, I don't know what to do, and combining it with something I really now have learned to really want to do drinking, right? And you can temptation bundle with all sorts of things. You know, people watch their favorite Netflix shows only when they're on the treadmill. It's a great example of temptation bundling. Now, the negative thing about that is until you decouple those things, it can be really hard to actually then get yourself motivated without it. So now that you're recognizing it's a problem, nobody even knows about this. I'm doing this in secret. This isn't something that's serving me anymore. Decoupling it really takes a bit of practice because you have to, I think in this instance, it would be great to really find other things. So some things that I recommend, especially for writers, if people have to come up with creative solutions, is doing something else that feels really good and really fun, where that's taking yourself to an amazing coffee shop or even going for an overnight trip to a local, you know, nice fancy hotel and it's just you and you get to do it or maybe do it by the pool or do something else that really feels like pleasure so that you're bringing that in. So I think that's one aspect of this. I think the other aspect like we talked about before is just the slowing of the brain. So the thoughts slow down. And I think in order to overcome this, if you're really serious about overcoming it, is, is honestly putting in a mindfulness practice because mindfulness over time will give you that space. And it doesn't have to be a lot. It can be three minutes a day, five minutes a day, but doing it consistently every single day, you will find that you can reach a place of focus without drinking. Because what that focus does is it's literally making your brain think slower. So if you could reach that place of focus without your brain being impaired, wow, oh my gosh, imagine how much more you could do or produce or create and how much better your solutions could be because there would be no impairment, but you're able to take that chatter away. And I think the mindfulness practice really, really, really does that. Um, 
And then I think the, the third thing, and I talked about it earlier, is just allowing for that discomfort, allowing for this discomfort of, okay, I might sit in my office and I might stare at the screen for 30 minutes, or I might just write blah, 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 or A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and just pushing through that. Because it isn't until you actually are able to, your mind will quiet. If you sit for 20 minutes in silence, your mind will quiet. It's just what happens. It will run itself out, it will get tired, and it will start to quiet. And if you can do that, again, without a drink, how profound are the results on the other side? So I would recommend all of those things. And just know that, you know, at the end of the day, like from a scientific perspective, there's there's not a lot to really back this up. It's actually you're impairing your brain, especially the more you drink. And so imagine what it could be like if you're able to do these same things, you know, overcome your inhibitions, quiet your mind a little bit, create the temptation bundling scenarios so that what you are not quite looking forward to do is coupled with something you are looking forward to do, but that's healthy. And then you're able to create and you're able to create with completely unimpaired mind, a brain that's fully functioning, a brain that has all those connections at the speed it has, in my experience, I have been able to create things that are far surpass anything I was ever able to create when I was in my, but I need a drink to create space. So I hope that helps. It's a bit of a long one, but I think it's such an important topic and uh, really wanted to do it justice. So I hope you guys have a really, really great day. Hi, are you looking to connect with like-minded people? Sometimes maybe you feel like, as someone who knows all this information from the snake in mind or the alcohol experiment that you're living in a world of muggles and people just don't speak your language. That is why I created The Exchange. The Exchange is an online community where we meet face-to-face live video calls multiple times a week with people from all over the globe just to connect, to have somewhere you're seen and you're heard and you feel less alone and really that you can give back and get the support you need. So if this sounds great to you, check it out at thisnakedmind.com backslash exchange. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.